1: Hey guys, so it's Steve Hall here from Revive Stronger, as I'm sure you're all more than aware. And I'm excited again to bring another guest to the channel. Uh, this time is Scott Tuzanon, who is another bodybuilder, um, also a physique coach, and is a owner of Metabolic Masterpiece website with some fantastic articles and some fantastic products on there as well. Um, and I really like Scott. Um, because he really views training as an art and the body as the artwork, for se, And that's exactly what bodybuilding is all about. Um, a lot of people talk about bodybuilding as being a sport. Some people argue it's not. And I've always viewed it as kind of a mix between an art and a sport. Um, and I think Scott has a really, really interesting view to it. So if Scott just wants to say a little bit about his background, how he got into bodybuilding, um, I think from what I've seen, Scott is very similar to me in that we weren't necessarily made for the sport, but we absolutely love it. Um, so, without further ado,
0: go for it, Scott. Excellent. Thanks a lot for the introduction. Uh, really happy to be here, and uh, yeah, definitely a topic I'm very passionate about. Been been passionate about bodybuilding uh, since I was like 14. Started training at 14 in my parents' basement. Arnold and Stallone were my and Jean Claude Van Damme back then. I'm 40 years old today, so. Uh, it's been a little while since, uh, since that point, but always inspired um, by the classic physiques, like, like a Frank Zane type of physique. I'm a smaller guy myself, so um, I had a tougher time resonating with Arnold. Enjoyed his character and persona and everything, but seeing some of the bigger, massive guys and the, the guys who dominated the magazines, just um, it was—it's tough for me being being a smaller guy, less role models there. But seeing Stallone and hearing that. Uh, I think it was a Rocky Four, and he was all cut up for that, only weighing around 170 pounds. I thought, you know what? He's got a little bit more of um, a physique that I could kind of aspire for, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, again, not a big guy. Uh, So those guys were kind of my role models back then and knew I wanted to get into fitness at some point. Actually, at 14, I told my, uh, my best friend, and my training partner at the time, that I would own a health club when I was old, older, and uh, sure enough, I, I did. That was one of my aspiring goals. Uh, so that passion led me to getting a degree a degree in human kinetics, kinesiology. So that was uh, here in Windsor, Ontario, a four-year degree there. And then immediately out of there, got right into personal training, working at a club. And then a year later, I owned my own personal training studio for uh, four years. And uh, definitely a lot of work, a lot of work I wasn't uh, prepared for. I thought it was going to be all this freedom and everything. And ended up really consuming me, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I had a young family um, to, to help support. And um, so when I was nearing the end of, of owning my health club, that's when on, I started recognizing uh, some online stuff. The first newsletter I ever signed up to is Tom Venuto, uh, his "Burn the Fat, uh, Feed the Muscle" site, and uh, built up a good relationship with them. Is the first ebook I ever purchased. Uh, so that's like back in 2004, 2005, and uh, by 2006, I had my own website running, and that's kind of where the, my whole online coaching began. And I realized here I was training; it was so much work to train so few people and 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 get the reward of seeing so few people um, transform in front of you that, man, this online thing, there's really something to it, I can reach so many more people. Um, so it's really been about 10 years that I've been in this online world and I've gone through some transformations here and there, like different websites and really kind of coming to my own. Um, and it's really only been the past five, six years where I've really, Kind of gone back to my bodybuilding roots. I really got caught up in kind of the um, the mainstream quick burst workout type stuff, and I guess it kind of applied to me at the time because I was a busy parent. I really didn't have a lot of time to train, so I kind of went through that phase. And then five, six years ago, I was like, you know, my kids are growing up, and I kind of I really missed that those bodybuilding days. And uh, it really was Tom Venuto who kind of switched things around for me. He came and visited me here, and we did a workout together. I'm like. Oh, have I been missing out? <laughs> and it, uh-huh. you know, it fired up my inspiration for bodybuilding, and I started pulling up my old books: Steve Reeves, the classic physique, and um, Vince Gironda, all his stuff. And I, was, I just got consumed with it. So I, I it's funny because I've been at this since '99, but it's really been the past five, six years where I feel like I've learned so much more during this time period. Yeah, um, and. and eager hungry to learn more and more and i've never had more fun training at the same time never felt better um at 40 years old it's uh, it's exciting i keep looking ahead and going i can't wait to see what i'm like at 50 years old so it's been a fun time That was a long <laughs> a long kind of uh, answer response to, to a little bit about my background but uh, i love nice. this
1: <laughs> it's interesting to hear kind of where, I think it's always interesting to hear where people came from in terms of their inspiration and where they want to go forward. And I love talking history. and been training longer than myself um, because I think we can learn so much from our past and I know how much I've learned from my past and my mistakes. So to look at someone who's been training for so many years and everything they could have learned, I love it. And um, that's part of the reason I got you on and um, part of the reason I think you probably have come out with some really interesting stuff. Um, on social media on your podcast as well um it's been fantastic and happy birthday i didn't realize today was your birthday um, today's not my <laughs> birthday. birthday oh i sorry i thought you were oh, thanks
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's my I half heard birthday, 40 maybe.
0: today 40 <laughs> 40 40 now yeah i'll be uh I'll turn 40 this year it's uh it's been a fun exciting year but uh, yeah yeah good times i, I I've been looking for, forward to 40 for a long time just because I, I have so many role models who are uh, a little bit older than me and just seeing, seeing like, it seems like between 40 and 50 is like the prime prime time for, for lifting. Like you got the muscle maturity, you're training a lot smarter. Um, I just see guys improving mm-hmm. so much between 40 and 50, even like beyond. Um, I happen to train with three guys who are all above 50. And seeing how they're still able to progress uh, fires me up uh, every single time I'm training with them. So it's good fun.
1: I think that links really well to the topic that we're actually going to cover. Um, and I think you've already touched on it in that when you get smarter with your training, kind of I, even in myself, I know this to be true. I trained for like five years and the games as they were. Um, I didn't really see any progress. And something that probably limited me then and something I definitely use now is intelligent use of kind of muscle confusion, which isn't really what we're actually going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about kind of purposefully varying our training to keep kind of growth going um, because there is kind of the, the body does adapt to what you give it. Um, and even if you can try you can keep trying to push it to do things, But if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, I'm no doubt you've seen this yourself, Scott, and I've definitely experienced it, the body just doesn't want to adapt anymore and it gets very efficient at not adapting, at doing things. So people often would probably see this with kind of you do the same task and it gets easier and easier and easier. That's because the body gets very good at adapting it, but that's not necessarily good all the time for gaining muscle. Um, So the topic today is how to use muscle confusion to spur gains. Um, so traditionally people think of muscle confusion as kind of going into the gym and doing something completely different that they've never done before to kind of to trick the body, to trick your muscles. And obviously it's just not, it's not a great idea because you have to have periods of time of progressively overloading things. So if you keep changing things, it becomes very difficult to actually progress with anything. If you go from a squat to a front squat to a leg press and you keep changing the reps, the sets, the intensities, you're going to find yourself just getting nowhere because the, you are confused. Your whole body will be all over the place. You won't know where you're going. Um, mm-hmm. Is that how you see muscle confusion kind of the, the wrong way to do it, traditionally known as?
0: Ab- absolutely. And I, I think you, know, you brought up a great point there. And um, I mean, doing the same thing over and over and over again, your body adapts to it, but you the whole purpose of growing is that you, you do want your body to adapt to something you want you want to get some sort of structure in place like you said that you can progress on um, but you want to try to your body to adapt to that uh, that stimulus and as it's adapting it's it's growing that, that's exactly what it's doing is it's growing as you're adapting but you can only take it so long before you need to, confuse (laughs) the muscles to to, to provide some sort of new stimulus that it can adapt to so uh yeah going into the gym blindly all the time just always changing things up i I think it's silly because you don't give your body that opportunity to adapt to a certain protocol to to like i said progress on it to, to overload your muscles with that um with that structure in place so um and how we all adapt to to certain programs is, is a little bit different. Uh, I think a lot of times you could probably go six, eight, even 12 weeks on the same kind of plan and, and continue to progress and, and, and adapt before you f- completely adapt to it. But personally for me, I I like to change it every four weeks. I like to, to set a structure in place. That that first week is kind of that, that, that little honeymoon period where I'm trying to uh, get a feel for the plan that I have there, trying, I might be training some, changing some of the exercise techniques, and I have to kind of find the right weight for that technique. Um, and there's oftentimes a lot of soreness that comes along with that yep. initial shock, and then uh, the soreness dissipates each each uh, progressive week after that. Mm-hmm. But I'll progress on it for for three weeks, and then the fourth week is kind of a a bit of a, a maintenance. I may sometimes, mm-hmm. occasionally. Do the, the fifth weight week may be a bit of a deload on that program, but uh, for the most time, most part, I find four weeks is solid for me. And my enthusiasm to confuse my muscles again um, comes—it's not as so much confusing the muscle. I usually change <laughs> every four weeks. I know it could continue to progress on a plan, but my enthusiasm for training goes through the roof when I'm changing it after mm-hmm. four weeks. I just it keeps my it keeps me pushing as hard as I, I can. Intelligent. <laughs>
1: that's really interesting because I was going to actually ask how often do you vary uh, your programs and we'll come on to how we might attack varying them. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's good to hear that you rather than, a lot of people do go with the approach of continually doing the same thing until they can't progress any further. But I kind of feel like when you get to that point, you could have changed it a bit sooner and seen better progress. Um, At least my understanding, and I really look up to Mike Isretel and the way they do it at Renaissance Periodization, and he's very much like yourself. He likes to see movements changed or something varied every four to six weeks, um, and I guess that four to six weeks, you could do it depending how you're progressing, um, and it might depend on various intensities and things, but I'm very much the same. I, like, I kind of call it like a foundation week or a base week mm-hmm. uh, first something slightly different, it might be a slightly heavier weight, it might be a slightly different movement and you're just getting used to things. And I always see people, they go into their first week of training, it's all new, they smash it and the DOMS, the delayed onset muscle soreness that they get is horrific. The next week of training they basically have to deload and where was the progressive overload is completely gone and we all know progressive overload is absolutely essential to actually gaining muscle. Um, so yeah like yourself I definitely take the first week as kind of just like I go in there I get used to the movements normally don't really hit kind of any kind of high volumes don't high hit high kind of anywhere near failure stay way away from failure I'm yeah. still sore um, and just that actual variation is enough um, so it's great that we both link up in that way um, when you do change it how do you attack changing things because I know we've got We've got kind of, we could vary the movement, we could vary the intensity, we could vary the frequency. Um, I know recently you've come out with your um, aesthetic muscle plan, which is changing frequency a lot. How do you tend to go about things with your own training or even in that plan?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, well definitely a guarantee every single, every four weeks I'm kind of changing, I'll change up two of the training Techniques or tactics. There's always always going to have. I find for for some of the compound movements, the bigger movements, like to keep it at straight sets and and just progress through through increasing the weight from uh, from week to week. Um, so I'll have a, a, an exercise or two that it's a straight set, but then I like to throw in some different techniques, whether it's um, eight sets of eight, uh, myo reps, uh, blood flow restriction training just, I mean, it's limitless. That's what I love about bodybuilding is that there's just so many um, training techniques and tactics, ways that you can perform an exercise um, to keep it fun, to keep it exciting and challenge your body in in a different way. So I find exercise technique is is probably the the number one thing that I, I change from month to month. So it may be this month, I, maybe it's a bench press that I'm doing straight sets and next month I may be doing Eight sets of eight with the bench press so it's it's tough to i'm never always trying to progress to trying to get my my bench how much i can lift uh Mm -hmm. month after month it's this month i'll focus on getting stronger and the next month i'm going to challenge it in a slightly um different way um so that's that's number one that's the main thing that i'm changing out a lot of the compound lifts are always going to stay the same, but I may vary um, some of the isolation exercises that I I throw in there. So if it was uh, dumbbell flies this month, maybe it's cable flies at a different angle. Um, If instead of a a bench press, maybe I'll throw in dips, Um, I'll I'll just kind of vary the exercise selection a bit. But I'm always kind of keeping certain compounds, certain important lifts in there that are always going to be a part of the structure. Frequency. love changing frequency. Uh, and again, that's going to depend uh, on the type of frequency. Uh, every once in a while, i say like twice a year, I'll go on like a super high frequency plan. Some people call Five days a week, high frequency training now. But I mean, as a bodybuilder, as a bro, I'd say like three times a week is high frequency training, Uh, and five times, six times a week is like super crazy insane high frequency. But um, I enjoy throwing that in like once or twice a year, and and so I may just do a a four-week phase of that, and that's that's enough, man. I I I can't Mm -hmm. I can't continue. Pushing that any longer, but something like a, a body part split routine, where I'm I'm training a muscle once every four or five days, um, that's something uh, I may stick with for four weeks, eight weeks, twelve weeks, um, just depending on how I find my body is adapting to it. So mm-hmm. if I keep, even if I keep the frequency the same, I guarantee every four weeks I'll be changing exercise technique and some of the exercise selection in there. Cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm very similar in some ways, but slightly different in other ways in that I think um, because I've got a slight powerlifting kind of tilt to my training and kind of that's – I like powerlifts. I don't – I do track weight quite a lot, but I think you're completely right in that for building muscle, kind of weight progress and, like, getting more kind of – reps on a squat isn't necessarily the most important thing for progressing your squat, and you can actually jump around quite a lot um, in terms of just making changes. And the most important thing is you have to make sure is obviously that you're progressively overloading, you can look back at past phases, you've done similar things, Um, but also, you've got your own fatigue, you can feel it in yourself, whether you're pushing yourself hard. If you know you're pushing hard, then the body doesn't know how many reps you're doing it doesn't know what exercise you're doing all it knows is that fatigue it's feeling so if you if you know you're pushing it i think this is why a lot of people who don't necessarily have like complex plans or anything clever in place they just go in there and they actually work hard um and that's an important thing to get right i think for myself i tend to program via blocks um they are normally four to six weeks in length they might be a bit longer um but i have kind of probably taken slightly from the powerlifting kind of using their structure and I have like hypertrophy phases and strength phases most of all and then sometimes for especially if I for bodybuilders that's who we're mainly talking about I'll chuck in on top of kind of their hypertrophy work which is normally kind of eight to twelve reps I love chucking in some of those myo reps blood flow restriction training really getting that pump work in um, I think that used sparingly now and then can be a great tool for kind of just it, as bad as it sounds, it is shocking the body, it is doing something it hasn't experienced before. Really chucking in loads of metabolites, really flushing kind of the muscles with loads of blood. Um, I tend to keep frequency in terms of how many times a week I train fairly static because, for my lifestyle and a lot of the clients I have, they kind of like maybe five days a week and then weekends off, or four days a week. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't change how times a week you train the muscles, which I'm sure you'd agree. You could still. Try, I mean, by, yeah. I think a lot of people get trapped into. Thinking, there's oh, there's oh, a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, four that's times that.
1: a week. Upper lower. That's all you can do. Whereas it's not. You could do that in so many ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd say I uh, I love being in the gym and my lifestyle allows it. Um, same with my workout partner, who um, he works twelve hour days, usually five days a week. Um, we love being in the gym. We all love it there. It's, a, it's part of our lifestyle and it's part of our social um, atmosphere as well. So five, six days a week, I'd, I'd say half the month we're there five days a week, the other half, six days a week. But they got a five day plan. I mean, you've got, you can do, like I said, a high, super high frequency plan where you're hitting every body part five times a week. You can do um, an upper lower push pull leg workout and so you're hitting everything twice a week. Um, you can do a body part split routine where you're hitting everything uh, once every four or five days. You can do, if you're in six days a week, you, do, you could do like push-pull legs. There's just, it's, it's limitless. You can do upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. Um, it's just, there's so many different things. That's why I, uh, I really enjoy changing training frequency. Um, sometimes, very often, sometimes I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll change my frequency every four weeks, uh, but oftentimes I'll stick with the frequency for eight weeks at a time, uh, or if I'm really enjoying it, 12 weeks at a time. Um, but I just find it's it's something that people don't manipulate enough, and I do find for most people, their schedule can allow a change in frequency. And uh, I think that the struggle is um, in managing your your volume per workout when you're changing your training frequency, especially for, uh, the bros like myself who are so used to blitzing a body part every single workout. And they go from training a body part once every five, six, seven days. And they're like, we're training more frequently. And all right, this is, I've heard great things about it. Muscle protein synthesis. And I'm an older lifter, a more experienced lifter. I need to elevate that muscle protein synthesis more often, spike it. Um, but then I, I, program the workout and they're like, well, there's you only got like two exercises per body part. I, I, that's not good enough. This isn't an no. advanced workout. And thats it's funny what people consider an advanced workout. Um, they just assume more nail, just destroy a body part every single time. But no, you got to be smart okay. smart with managing your recovery and muscle damage when you're um, altering your, your training frequency. But I think it's a good way to – Yeah, 100%. And just to add fun to your training – as well. It's it's fun to try different training frequencies, see how your body responds, see what ones you enjoy the most. Uh, I do enjoy the high frequency training from time to time. It's not something I would enjoy all the time, Um, but it's nice throwing it in and breaking things up every once in a while. I always thought like upper lower, ah, that's boring. That was from, that's when you're just starting out kind of thing. But I'm telling you, when you're when you do it right, it's a it's a nice change from from some of the other uh, structures that we have in place.
1: Hundred percent. When I was doing high frequency, and I I did almost feel like you said, even though the way I structure, if I am doing like body parts three to four times a week to be on the the muscle group, because I don't know if you you find certain muscle groups just they cannot be trained that high frequency. I think it's to do with the the kind of fiber type if they're Kind of fast twitch, they can be pounded, but they then take a long time to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, something like my hamstrings, if I train those anything more than kind of twice a week, they start really kind of saying, hold back. Um, so I like to, if I do do the high frequency, the way I kind of manage is I kind of have an emphasis, which is normally done via volume, because the kind of bodybuilding purpose is building muscle, normally the most fatiguing thing that you've got. You can do it in a variety of ways. Um, you can kind of if you're doing your quads you could go your lower you could train them three times a week maybe do have a light movement as like a leg press and then have a medium kind of heavy movement as like a front squat or something and that would be your way of managing fatigue but 100% managing the fatigue is the, the key thing but when I did high frequency I just kind of felt like I was not really nailing anything and it does I think like yourself it especially when you come from a bit of an old bodybuilding background and you are used to nailing things fairly frequently, it kind of gets a bit frustrating in that you just can't um, and it would take away from your overall volume which is a very important aspect to growing muscle. Mm-hmm. Do you find some body parts, do you have any muscle groups that you find you just kind of the frequency between them is so different?
0: Yeah, well definitely I mean I could hit shoulders very, very often. Um, and I enjoy doing that. Again not with crazy high volume every time just uh, a respectable volume where they're getting stimulated um, frequently. Um, my biceps can't take a lot of volume. I know some people can really handle a lot of volume for the biceps but um, mine just uh, I cramp up too much. If <laughs> they, they take a while to recover. Quads for me take a while to recover. My hamstrings aren't too bad so I can actually hit them a little bit more often. And if I do hit them more often, again, it's the, the type of exercises you're using. So you may you may hit them a little harder one workout or use some compound movements that are a little more challenging. And then the next workout, it might just be like a, a reverse or a hyperextension or something where working the hamstrings a little bit differently, not going too crazy. Um, it's just something that, that is stimulating them but not not going to cause too much muscle damage as well almost kind of help. I find a little bit with the recovery cause you're getting a little bit of blood flow, um, to those muscles as well. So kind of balancing that, the recovery, it's not, not just a matter of rest days and everything, but the type of exercises you're yeah. working in there, even, even though my shoulders can take, I find they can take a lot. Um, I can stimulate them very often if I was overhead pressing every single day, I destroy them Um, but if I do some overhead pressing one day and do some more uh, focus like lateral raises or or rear delt flies or something, just finding the right exercises that can just provide enough, uh, some simple stimulation and then throw Mm -hmm. some in some heavier compound lifts after is important.
1: That's totally touched on another good point in that we're talking about kind of making sure to use muscle confusion in the right way, or variation in the right way, and that you can do something for a period of time, you progress with it, and then you change it. But over the top, well, underneath all of this is individual difference. So different people react better to different frequencies, they react differently to different exercises. You might really feel that pull-downs in your lats, but something like, I don't know, a motor row might be awful, or the other way around, um, so that that's something you have to take into consideration as well. Find the exercises that work for you and vary with those. And over time, make sure you're tracking your workouts, you know how you're performing, you know what works for you, and then kind of gravitate towards that um, and use that as your main source. Because I think we both, obviously we both just said, my hamstrings, I find they get knackered really quick, whereas you can train them with quite high frequency. So that's already a big difference, just between yeah. people who train, probably in a fairly similar way anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, and my my quads just—it's interesting. Even the between my my workout partners and and I, same thing. they they'll be like, oh, my quads feel them a little bit, but my hamstrings are just dying, and I'm like, oh my god, am every step I'm taking, my quads are going to cramp on me. I got I gotta they need a little bit more recovery before I hit them again. So there's definitely, definitely individual uh, differences. We all have our different strengths and, and weaknesses, and we all enjoy things certain uh, differently as well too.
1: Yeah. I think something else. Do you ever find that if you do stick with a certain exercise for too long, you start getting little niggles with that exercise. You just kind of maybe you're doing a high bar squat and your hips just after a while they just they even if you would switch to a front squat, that just seems that little variation just seems to be enough to allow you to keep progressing with it. And you if you kept with the back squat, you just your hips would just you'd be no good.
0: <laughs> 100%. And that's probably, the, I think, the one of the best examples. It would be the squat and the deadlift. Uh, I, I, deadlift, I'll vary the, the technique. I may do sumos this month, conventional next month. And then I may not do deadlifts again for three, four months, but I'll work in uh, Romanians or maybe some good mornings or something else to kind of work that posterior chain. But uh, deadlifts is definitely something that beats me up. Uh, more than anything in back squats definitely as well um, So definitely we all we're always switching between uh, a back squat and a front squat Or if we still want to keep the the back squat in there we may go with a higher rep Movement we may do a hundred rep set with it instead or, or use myo reps or something that the weight is um, much the load is lower so it doesn't seem to aggravate our, our problems. And actually a lot of times going lighter and, and doing movements like that, we find we actually recover better. We, we heal a lot faster. And those mm-hmm. little aches and pains kind of go away. Um, I know for some of my workout partners, uh, their back squat as we're progressing on it and getting heavier and heavier, if it, we're in the lower rep range, I can see their range of movement getting shorter and shorter. But if the next phase we, we do a higher rep, squats, the range gets better, they're deeper, they just feel more comfortable and confident with the movement. They start feeling the tension where it should be uh, rather than the lower back and upper hip area, feeling a little more quad involvement. So um, yeah, even if we keep the movement the same, it may, it may vary the style of training. So we can keep it in there but um, kind of take away from some of the, the little aches and pains that, uh, that can go on there.
1: I think that's particularly important, probably for someone like a powerlifter in their off season when they're not competing. For me, anyway, is the fact that a lot of the time they don't like to get away from their like the deadlifts, and the a, a deadlift off the floor is incredibly taxing. It's it must be the most taxing exercise that possibly is. It uses the most muscles out of probably any exercise, and it's probably got the most potential to actually damage you. Um, so for building muscle, it. You could argue it's not one exercise you want in there too often and certainly like you said, period, periodically putting in exercises that you can handle more volume on is probably a very good idea and I know for myself and for other powerlifters that I coach, rather than focusing on always doing that those heavy movements or even trying to do those heavy movements the, or the, the main lifts in the higher rep ranges, I actually just switch to variants that can accommodate more volume so I put in some hack squats. Even for a powerlifter, in there when they're trying to gain muscle, because I know as a bodybuilder, they like hack squats are a huge exercise for them, and maybe even they don't even deadlift ever. Mm -hmm. Um, There are no exercises you have to do, Um, and I think a lot of people get caught up. Uh, Especially you you probably noticed because you've been lifting for so long. I think recently powerlifting's got so popular that people are kind of gravitating towards these lifts. And maybe sometimes it's taken away from what they could potentially do in the gym.
0: I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it's it's kind of fun to see the powerlifting how popular it's it's become, uh, especially on YouTube. Just seeing so many guys just bust out some some huge lifts. It did get me. Um, I, I never used to deadlift at all. I mean, it, it's just probably been the past three four years that I started deadlifting, and um, It's fun. Like it, it can be fun. It's very empowering when you do it uh, the right way. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of us just are not built for it either. I I find I'm not. I am not built for lifting heavy, heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can do a 430 pound deadlift occasionally for for three reps, but um, I only go for that a few times a year. Like maybe two, three months out of the year, I'll really try to push it like that Uh, because it does get it, It beats me down pretty good, but I feel great. Doing it, it's fun to throw it in there. and I did find that it helped a lot of my other stuff. So there's benefits like focusing on that. It did carry over to uh, to other exercises. It um, is fun. It's fun lifting heavy shit once in a while. But you just got to know. Like I see so many guys that because it's so popular, so many people want it. They're trying to become power lifters, and they're just, we're just not all built for it. Um, so I think just just being smart, knowing yourself, and working within your own uh, your own potential and, and gifts uh, is a smart approach to take.
1: Certainly. I think something we've touched on that has come over and above the point of the fact you need to vary things now and then to make sure that you're kind of uh, getting away from accommodation, which is your body's getting too used to things, so we need something different to stimulate growth, is that the injury potential that we've got, but also something I really find with yourself, Scott, is the fact people do get bored of their exercise regimes and they will stray and they will lack consistency if they don't enjoy it. And I think something that you do with your programming is make sure everything is fun and you love every second you're in the gym. Um, Is there any kind of recent things you've been doing that you particularly love that kind of you think people might enjoy themselves? I think I've noticed, apart from the fact also, we haven't touched on is different exercises for different angles so you can kind of maximally contract muscles in different areas. So it might be kind of at the long or mid range or short range. Um, kind of, I think you've recently been doing some work with that. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We just revisited that uh, this month where we're incorporating multi angle movements. It's something that it probably did. Well, I know it was in my programming with the Aesthetic Muscle Plan about two years ago. Is the last time that I've done this. And previous to that, it was probably two years before that. And that's, again, the beauty of bodybuilding. There's so many different training techniques that sometimes you you forget. And, and there's times, uh, like I really do like the including, I say when I'm changing up techniques, myo reps, 100 rep sets, 8 sets of 8, drop sets. Those are the kind of things I like to kind of alternate through from month to month and then I, I, I forget about certain things and and uh, this multi-angle thing where you would, uh, it's like a drop set. So for the bench press for example, you would use an adjustable bench and you set it to like a 45 degree angle, you do 6 reps, you select the weight, they can do 6 reps leaving about a rep or 2 in the tank and then you drop it to 20 degree angle, 6 more reps and again at that point naturally you're keeping the same weight. Um, and the only rest you're getting is changing that angle in the bench, and then you drop it to flat, and then you drop it to a decline. So you're hitting four different angles there, and uh, it seems like it should be easy when you think you just did a 24-rep set. Um, but it's, uh, it's not like you're typical grabbing a lighter weight and doing 24 reps because it's it's like you're doing a, a weight that you can only do six reps with uh, each time. So we've been doing that for the bench press uh, for rowing, uh, you can you, you can for rowing this month we're doing just a high pull, low pull. But in the past I've done uh, a straight where I'm up nice and upright doing a pull down. Then I'll angle myself back and just change the degree in the back, and then I'll get on a seated row. Um, so just changing different angles um, during a, a movement just to kind of target all the different uh, aspects mm. of a muscle within one big giant set. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, that's that's been a fun just change a pace uh, tricep I think the biggest shock to our muscles was the tricep extension where we start completely upright um, doing like a skull crusher but you're you're upright and then down to a, a 20 degree angle flat and then decline 66666 6, 6, 6, 6, and oh my god our triceps they haven't been this sore in uh, in ages um, man it's just it's limitless and even like things like uh, cluster sets I haven't God, I haven't done cluster sets in like 10 years. And then I think I read an article uh, a couple months ago, and I thought, oh, my God, there's, it just it sparked my, my memory. And uh, adding those into my workout where I do uh, select a weight that you could do normally like five reps with, but you only do two, rest 10 seconds, do two, rest 10 seconds, do two, rest 10 seconds, do two more. It's a great way to kind of lift a, a heavy weight with a short rest period and just challenge your body in a different way. Uh, man God I mean there's I get excited all the time because there's always always something different. A lot of times it's just old school training techniques. I guess the only newer stuff would be myo reps, uh, blood flow restriction training. I love intraset stretching for calves and again, certain techniques are, are good for certain body parts. I find uh, getting on the calf press doing the intraset stretching where, Select a weight that can do about 20 reps with, and you, you do your calf press. And then on the last rep, you hold that stretch for 30 seconds. And the first set's okay, but then you, you drop the weight, uh, take off like 15% of the weight, do as many more reps as you can. So maybe between 12 and 15 reps, hold that stretch for 30 seconds. And that second set, your, your calves are just on fire. You just wanna cry. <laughs> and you do that for a total of five sets. You're dropping the weight 15% each time. For calves, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I find for incline dumbbell bicep curls, it can be very effective as well. Um, and on a machine where you can do like a, a skull crusher where you're a little bit more upright, uh, holding that stretch, the triceps are just insane as well. But doing it for something uh, like your chest or your back can be a little bit tricky, um, so I tend not to do that. But I'm, there's very few new training tactics that I'd use. I always kind of revisit a lot of the old school type stuff, and 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 a lot of times if I haven't done it in a while, I just I get just crazy excited about it. It's always fun, even though it's not new. It's new to me because it's been a few years since uh, since I've done it, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. just a lot of fun to get uh, playful with that.
1: I think something important is that obviously you've, these are great techniques and actually something new to the body means the body has to adapt and grow and it's fantastic. But for someone who maybe is watching this and they're a bit like, "Oh, Scott's talking about all these crazy techniques. How does he incorporate that into a progressive plan? I think, I, am I right in saying that you still have kind of a core program in place and then these are kind of thrown in as additional kind of exciting things that you'd add in to just, add that spice variety, and they're not used kind of year-round, they're just thrown in now and then. Just A lot of them are just great for adding a little bit of extra volume because you can because yes. you're changing slight variance. You're getting fatigued, but, yeah, is that right? You still have your core kind of a, – a, some sort of core program
0: in place. Definitely, yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, um, depending on the split, um, if it's a body part split and you're selecting four exercises per body part, Two maybe three will kind of be straight sets uh, in different rep ranges, and then one maybe with a tech. uh, One or two would be with one of these uh, like intensifier techniques there. Um, So no more. You don't want to have too much. You don't want to be doing one exercise straight set, one exercise blood flow restriction training, one with myo reps, one with interset stretching. I think that's too much. um, Too much confusion there, Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of. It doesn't give you as much opportunity to, to change things up each month as well. So I may have two to three different um, training techniques in a, in a program, and then I'll use two different ones, one or two different ones the, the following month. Uh, and people love that. They, they want to see a different kind of training technique. So that alone, just changing one, uh, throwing in one or two different training techniques in there, it offers that excitement, even though you might be doing straight sets for the same exercise uh, a couple months in a row. Having some sort of different variety in there um, definitely makes it exciting. And, and depend- if I'm doing a more higher frequency plan, uh, maybe one day is focused on straight sets and, and maybe lifting a little bit heavier there. And then the next workout, I need to go a little bit lighter. And like, that's it's the lighter stuff is perfect for using myo reps or, or yeah. interesting stretching or um, different things where you can go use lighter weight but it's a it's a challenge it's not like it's not it's a different kind of lightweight lifting I'm not just doing a high rep set I'm doing high reps with um, other little short rest type um, tactics in there as as well so it's, it's it adding exactly. in those little lightweight stuff it, it helps manage recovery I think those little techniques can help you throw them in at the right times and it, it can help you uh, manage your recovery as well
1: yeah definitely. I think. I am exactly the same. I have, I will use them now and then, probably not as much as you do, um, but I might gravitate more so as I kind of learn more and um, get into it a little bit more. I chuck them in kind of as an additional, as kind of a, some excitement, some more volume to keep the body kind of pushing forward, keep it going. Um, but definitely always have that background program in place to make sure that kind of you're getting sufficient volume. You're sufficient kind of, that pump work, which is one of the mechanisms of hypertrophy that um, Brad Schoenfeld talks about, but it's one of the the less important ones. But it is just so much fun and it does keep you excited. And I think it's a, a great idea is to use kind of one technique one month or one block, then change it to the next one. And that gets you very excited. And that's something I might actually look to do myself. I've definitely used blood flow restriction training. I've used myoreps reps myself, but not so much these other ones um, that you've been talking about. It's definitely not the stretching. I've never incorporated that, so that's something I might try myself. I always like to try new things out, um, especially before kind of handing them over to clients and things, because sometimes they they sound great on paper, but in practice you're like, huh? Especially like you said, these techniques work really well for some body parts and not so well for others. Um, For myself, I find a lot of the time kind of my calves and stuff respond really well to these, but say my hamstrings, really don't really like having to do really high rep works so I think that's important to take in account and no doubt there's individual difference with all of that as well.
0: Yeah for sure 100%. Very cool.
1: <laughs> awesome. So is there anything else you'd want to touch on at all or should I kind of round off what we've said and uh, we can maybe catch up another time?
0: yeah no this is crazy exciting i think uh, we dished out some some good information and definitely felt a lot of the passion going on it is it is very great <laughs> it's it's an exciting sport <laughs> to be in a recreational sport mm-hmm. um i do i do think it's it's a sport it's not it's a different kind of sport but i i enjoy it it's a it's a fun activity that's uh, definitely passionate yeah. about and i appreciate the opportunity to. Uh, to share my insights with you too it's been a lot of fun
1: no yes brilliant to have you on and actually yeah for sure if you've got kind of your website and things like that i'll put them in the description box below but definitely can people reach you on facebook do you have um i know you've got instagram as well and obviously the modern muscle uh podcast as well but you've got all of that going on
0: yeah, I, I'd say probably the, uh, the best thing to do would be to visit the website metabolicmasterpiece.com because you can find links to my Facebook profile, Instagram profile. Um, I'm on Twitter a little bit, but uh, and YouTube definitely always uh, always cranking out the YouTube videos, kind of my favorite thing to do. Um, yeah, so catch up with me there and email, contact, awesome. whatever it is. It's all, all there at metabolicmasterpiece.com.
1: Sweet. I mean, I definitely recommend you guys check out Scott's uh, YouTube channel, I should have said, because you think these sound exciting, Scott talking about them, imagine actually watching him do all of them, and then you can actually learn and do them yourself, and I think I need to go and revisit them so I can potentially put some into my program, um, because I think, as we've discovered, muscle confusion used in the right way kind of I like to call it directed muscle confusion that can get rid of the rule of kind of accommodation your body gets very used to things use it in the right way you can spur progress which is like we said kind of every kind of month or so use a different intensity a different frequency a different kind of exercise it doesn't have to be all of them it can be a subtle change and you can really keep spurring progress going the worst thing is doing the same thing over and over again um like i think it was uh, Einstein, was it? I forget who said yep. it's, that's insanity. Doing yep. the same thing over and over again and you achieve the same kind of no result. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much, Scott. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Um, and, yeah, I'll keep up with everything you're doing. I love your podcast. You touch on some great. Cheers. So that is the end, everyone, and take care. Thanks a lot.